Psalm 126, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. And you have something to say to us and to remind us of tonight. We ask as a church and as individuals that your words would hit home in our hearts. And you know what we need better than anyone else. So we ask for your Holy Spirit to move in this service and to touch our hearts with whatever is necessary to bring us in line with your will and your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This is not a psalm of David, obviously. This is a psalm with a specific reference to the return of the Hebrews to their homeland after the 70 years of captivity. And, of course, that happened hundreds of years after David. So some of the psalms are written by David. We don't know who wrote this one, but this was a psalm that was celebrating the fact that they were coming back to the homeland after 70 years. Now, in general, it can speak of the occurrence of return because they were returning back. And not only were they returning back geographically, they were returning back spiritually because the whole reason they were taken away in captivity was due to their disobedience and rebellion to God. So in general, this psalm can apply to our lives in that it speaks of any occurrence of return. Interestingly, the word repent means to return or turn around. So this psalm can speak of any occurrence of repentance, any recurrence of renewal. And specifically also, it can speak of any occurrence and event of revival when you look at the emotion that's stated in verse 2. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Now that sounds like a revival in any church and in any heart. And in this passage of scripture, it talks about revival, and revival can come in two ways. In this passage of scripture, the psalmist says, Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Quite literally, the Hebrew word, as the streams in the Negev. Now, Negev is a desert. And here's a characteristic of the streams in the Negev desert. They are normally dry. They are dry stream beds, powdery dust. However, at the onset of a thunderstorm and the right weather conditions, seemingly out of nowhere, those streams can come gushing full of water. And not only that, do the stream beds now fill up with water that were ordinarily dry and dusty. The whole area that was brown and parched now has wildflowers and grass. The Negev Desert just comes to life spontaneously, out of nowhere, quite suddenly. And you'd say, well, 
That's how revival works, doesn't it? Sometimes. But I think that we're doing ourselves a disservice to think that revival is something that's happened spontaneously, out of nowhere, just without prediction. Because there's another precursor to a revival as well. And that is found in verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goeth forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Did you catch that? Rejoicing. That's revival. But how does it happen? It happens as a slow and steady process. And he compares it, of course, to a farmer sowing the seed. You see, farming involves labor. And it speaks of rejoicing revival involving labor. It involves some measure of discomfort. It says in the King James Version, bearing precious seed. And of course, in the New King James, it says seed for sowing. That word precious obviously means weighty. And it could read this way, bearing the heavy sack of seeds. And it talks about the farmer who is bearing a heavy load of the sack of seeds. It's uncomfortable sometimes bearing the seed. So he goes through a period of discomfort. He goes through a period of labor. And then it involves waiting and persistence and patience and endurance. Now, I like what Brother Drew said today when he says, we can't whip up revival with stage lights and with loud music. We can't work our way to revival without the Holy Spirit because whether it's the streams in the Negev desert or the seed that's growing after being sown, God does it both, doesn't he? God ultimately is the one who brings revival. However, what it shows here is that God can bring revival several different ways. One way is what we normally think of, spontaneous, just an explosion of what's happening in the church. But then this other way is the one we really need to look at, where somebody is doing their job. And revival comes when day in and day out, week after week, we are willing to do our various jobs in the church. Some of them may seem to be unimportant. Some of them may seem to be uh, insignificant. But the Bible says we all work together as the body of Christ, and it all comes together as a perfect picture. When we all do our various jobs week after week after week, it is just like this. And revival comes, and and many times it's not because, that just came out of nowhere. It's because the church is being the church and doing what it takes to reach people. To When bring people here, there's something for them to hear, and there's There's programs that present God's word to every age group. And then we leave here willing to do the work to reach people with truth and love and stepping in their lives. We do our job and then revival comes. And what we saw this weekend is just an example of that. It was a great weekend. It was a great weekend. And a lot of what made this weekend uh, enjoyable 
for uh, Brother Jordan and the band had to do with something and somebody doing their job years ago. And, and we didn't think too much about it, but 20 years ago, 20 years ago, we were planning this sanctuary. Did you realize that? 20 years ago, we were putting this sanctuary together on paper. 20 years ago, we were trying to, to get the layout of the building and exactly what we would do and so forth. And this week, that kind of thing paid off. We, we did the extra to make sure the stage area was big. We did the extra work to make sure that these choir rails would come up to give us some extra room. And when I started talking to the, to the band members about this earlier, their eyes lit up. They said, wow, that's great. And when they saw how we had put it together, they said, this is one of the most comfortable stages we've ever worked on. Right down here at Brister. And, and this, this meant a lot to me, because you always kind of want to know if you're on the right track. Here's guys that live in central Arkansas, and these are guys that have been in some of the biggest churches in the BMA. And Drew told me as we were talking last night, he said, by far, I have to say, this is the most beautiful church building I've ever been in. And, and what does that mean? It means that we put something together and did the work to do it right 20 years ago. So this weekend, we had room for all the young people, not only in here, but 10 years ago, we were planning the fellowship hall. We wanted to be sure we had enough room to whoever sat in here could sit in there. We had 110 kids filling up the fellowship hall. And we were able to seat all of them. And it all worked out for a good weekend because people did their job 10 years ago and 20 years ago. And it's not all about buildings but it did help with everything that came together. And it happens with the more important parts of the church because we know the church is not the building. When it comes to what we do with the Awana program, with the Sunday school program, with the Bible school programs, with the youth programs, and of course with our prayer teams, our care teams, our food groups, all the different things that we do week in and week out over and over, when we do our jobs, the promises here, rejoicing will come. Because it says, he who bears the burden of the seed. But I like that word when he said, he that bears precious seed. Now this all makes sense to us because we have the New Testament, right? Because Jesus specifically said in the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 11, the seed is the word of God when he told the parable of the sower. So we read the 126th Psalm. You can't not help but think about that. He who bears what? The precious seed. What is that precious seed? It's the word of God. Now we know that this is a general application of other principles, but the promise remains you bear the precious seed and we will reap a harvest. And not only that, it says he doesn't just gather the sheaves, he gathers them up. How? Rejoicing. That's revival. That's revival. But then there's another word here. It says, he who continually goes forth with weeping, and he that sows in tears. 
when you think about the tears, where's that coming from? Well, we all know as we looked at this psalm, it means, of course, it could be tears of concern for the lost. I like what one old scholar said. He said, the tears themselves are the seeds that are sown. Tears for the lost. Tears for the hurting. Tears for our own sin and our own regrets. Tears for our own pain and disappointments in life. All of these, he said, are like those seeds that are sown. I like that picture. It means this. When we feel enough and love enough to shed a tear, God's going to bless that love in some way. But the idea is a promise. At the very least, you read this passage of Scripture, the promise is this. Any investment, any sacrifice, any love that's rendered for the cause of Christ will bring a harvest. But we can't leave it there without referring to how are we going to sow those seeds. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul said it this way, He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully carries that heavy sack of seed will reap bountifully. We can cut corners, and we can take the easy way out, and we can just be part-time with our devotion to Christ. Or we can be serious, devoted, consistent, persistent, being able to carry what load we can as long as it takes, and we will reap bountifully. And there is the principle for revival. Oh, it comes spontaneously out of nowhere. Sometimes it just takes your breath away. But don't forget the other way. It comes when we're willing to do our job and do it to the best of our ability and do it for as long as it takes. God does it both. He does it both ways, and he's at work with both ways. But let us not forget our part in it. There's a harvest coming, and when it comes, there's rejoicing and revival. Is there anything before we close? If not, let's stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer.